You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. Yet another SEC postponement and a schedule tweak. We will tell you what that is in just a second. It is officially rivalry week here. We will go around the conference and see what some of the coaches are saying ahead of some of their big weekend slate of games. Uh, also, has time finally run up on Jared Garantano? We'll talk with Josh Ward of Locked On Vols. We'll get his thoughts on the Tennessee Volunteers. And also, your Week 9 SEC Players of the Week. Some big names getting some big honors this week. We'll tell you who. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. Get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day, five days a week. All right, let's jump right into it. Got plenty to break down. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the Around the conference. News coming out last night from the SEC. Missouri, Arkansas this weekend has been postponed. Arkansas had an issue with positive tests, contact tracing, quarantining. All of those issues. So no Mizzou-Arkansas game this weekend. But here's the kicker. The SEC also decided they're going to postpone the Tennessee-Vanderbilt game that was scheduled for this weekend. So two SEC games postponed. Why is Tennessee-Vandy postponed? Well, the SEC decided subsequently that the makeup game between Mizzou and Vandy that was postponed a few weeks ago, that game will be made up this weekend. So to recap... Arkansas gets the week off with COVID. Tennessee now gets the week off. It's kind of a breather. And Mizzou Vandy will play on Saturday. The SEC will figure out down the road where they will make up Arkansas at Mizzou and Tennessee at Vandy. I was listening to a little bit of Mark Stoops' coach's show last night. And he was finding out this information during the show. And he was a little perturbed by kind of the whole situation. The Arkansas-Missouri game uh, has been postponed, so the SEC had to make some schedule that's, adjustments, that's, but doesn't affect Kentucky yeah, this week. Wild stuff but, right there. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's that kind of week you never, you know, you, you find out, you start preparing for somebody. You had it once where you, you know, you found out, uh, I guess, down in Tennessee yeah. that your next opponent was going to be Missouri instead of Georgia. Yeah, and we know guys on, on Missouri staff, they were sitting there, they knew before us, they were sitting there showing film that they were watching us on Friday while we were sitting there getting ready to play who were we playing Tennessee we're sitting there ready to play Tennessee and they were joking with us but sitting there saying we and we're like what the heck are you talking about and they're like no no we got you so they you know they had two days on us but whatever that's you know it's it's so Mark Stoops obviously frustrated by the whole situation I gotta feel a lot of coaches are feeling that way right now the SEC also announced yesterday times for next week's games, so the December 5th slate of games. The times will not be announced. They will be announced this coming Sunday. They're still looking for a date to play LSU-Alabama. Just guessing here, but it would seem like that would be the date you would move it. LSU scheduled to play Ole Miss the week after this. You can move that game to the day of the SEC championship game on December 19th. Of course, LSU and Ole Miss won't be playing for the West. Have them make up that game then. Have LSU play Alabama on December 5th, and then LSU will play Florida the week before the SEC title game as they are currently scheduled. Is that absolutely 100% going to happen? 
know, but we will let you know as soon as the SEC does make that official announcement. News over at Florida. Gators tight end Kyle Pitts expected to return this coming week against Kentucky after missing two games. Good news on that front. Dan Mullen asked if Florida clinches the East, would it even make sense to play the LSU game or, or maybe cancel it? Mullen said, quote, that's above my pay grade. I'm just hoping to play Kentucky this Saturday. So, look, it, it's something worth considering. If they do not reshuffle the schedule and LSU's playing Alabama next week and they decide to just cancel that game, in my mind, you can't have LSU play Florida the week before the SEC championship while Alabama sits at home not playing anybody. Just not very fair. Over at Georgia, two key injury updates. Nose tackle Jordan Davis with that elbow injury. Kirby Smart said he has a chance to play this week. Davis has missed the past three games. And then safety Richard LeCount, who is still dealing with shoulder and rib injuries after that vehicle accident. Kirby says he is still working to return this season, but will not be back in time for this week. If you remember, Richard LeCount's mom came out last week saying he still wants to play for Georgia before this season ends. Over at Alabama, Nick Saban talking with the media yesterday said, all eyes here are looking forward to the Iron Bowl, which is one of the greatest rivalries, I think, in college football. It's a pride thing in this state, Nick Saban said. Saban also said receiver Slade Bolden twisted his ankle against Kentucky. Could be out a few days this week. Twisted ankles can be tricky, Saban said. We'll see if he is back in action for the Iron Bowl on Saturday. Saban also said it could be, quote, a couple of months until running back Trey Sanders will be able to work out again, but expects him to make a full recovery after having surgery. He will not return this season. Alabama quarterback Mac Jones, speaking with the media yesterday, was asked about the Heisman Trophy talk. He said, quote, we have great players here, and it probably makes me look a lot better than I actually am. There's players on our team that should be in that conversation, though. Over at LSU, Ed Ogeron says Miles Brennan, quarterback, is definitely not playing this week. The status on shutting him down this season still isn't official. Ogeron says he's been discussing surgery with Brennan's family and repeats, doesn't look like he's going to play this year. Just wonder why don't they don't just shut it down. Why keep that door open on possibly still returning? Also at LSU, it sounds like Defensive back Derek Stingley should be ready to go against Texas A&M. He took a hit to the helmet against Arkansas and did not return. Ed Ogeron says, quote, it looks like he's going to be fine and will practice this week with no contact. It was just a minor concussion. You can see why Stingley didn't come back in the game, but could be ready to go this weekend. Over at Tennessee, head coach Jeremy Pruitt reiterated on Monday he liked his team's effort against Auburn but said there were six to seven plays that Tennessee was on the wrong side of that decided the game. Yeah, one of those, the 100-yard pick six from Jared Garantano. Over at Texas A&M, their former wide receiver Cam Brown, who recently threw his name into the transfer portal, he is now committed to UCLA. He started four games this year for the Aggies, but he'll be on the move out to the West Coast. And a couple quick notes on the basketball front. Tennessee basketball has suspended all team activities because of positive COVID tests. 66-year-old head coach Rick Barnes has tested positive, so we wish him the best there. And, of course, news came out over the weekend that Auburn has 
issued a self-imposed postseason ban on their basketball program after some self-reported violations and all the fallout of a coach paying players and whatnot. Some other news coming out yesterday. Auburn five-star freshman Sharif Cooper has not practiced in weeks and is exploring potential options overseas while awaiting the Auburn and NCAA investigation into his eligibility. So could be on the way out, especially after finding out Auburn will not be going to a postseason game this season. And that is the latest from around the conference. Coming up next, we're going to talk all things Tennessee Volunteers with our buddy Josh Ward from Locked on Vols. What's the deal with Jared Garantano? And could Jeremy Pruitt be on the hot seat if he doesn't turn this thing around? We'll discuss that next. Hey guys, if you're getting ready for the Thanksgiving holiday, you want to make sure you are stocked up with plenty of ice-cold Coors Light in your refrigerator. You know there's going to be football on all day long on Thanksgiving. The Lions are playing, the Cowboys are playing, and you get a night game. Then you got college football all day Friday, and then on into Saturday, and then more NFL games on Sunday. It's a lot of TV watching, guys. You want to take care of yourself. Make sure you are ready to relax and open an ice-cold Coors Light. They are made to chill. They are cold-lockered, cold-filtered, and cold-packaged, as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. When you see that blue cold mountain on the side, you know it's ice-cold refreshment, and you know you are ready to sit back and relax. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their new look cans delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Please remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up tomorrow, Locked on SEC. We'll talk all things about the Senior Bowl. Jim Nagy, who is the head of the Senior Bowl, it's going to join us on Locked on SEC. He'll talk about all the SEC players who have accepted invites to the Senior Bowl. It gets bigger and bigger every single year. So really looking forward to talking all things Senior Bowl tomorrow with Jim Nagy on the podcast. Right now, we talk all things Tennessee Volunteers with our buddy Josh Ward from Locked on Vols. And Josh, it has gotten ugly over in Knoxville. I don't think anybody thought that this team would be where they are right now. Of course, you know, we talk about the the winning streak that they finished the season on and then win the first two out of the gates this year. I think there was a lot of optimism for a lot of people that uh, wear the orange colors, but man, oh man, it has gotten ugly real quick. What, in your opinion, has happened here in these last five games, losing by double digits every single week? Well, exactly that, and a lot has happened to cause that. A lot of the focus is on Tennessee's quarterback position, and I think a lot of fans are ready to see a change. As Jared Garantano has been the starter all year, we've seen different quarterbacks in the number two role. It was J.T. Shrout earlier in the season, then it was Brian Maurer. Now it's Harrison Bailey, but they've continued to go back to Jared Garantano as the starter. He threw another interception that was returned for a touchdown on Saturday. That was as the Vols were in a position to at least tie the game late in the third quarter, or potentially take the lead. Instead, it was a three-score game, and Tennessee has been awful in the second half of games this season, particularly in the third quarter. That was the case again this past Saturday, and the result is Tennessee in a really bad position, and there's a lot of frustration on Rocky Top. There are a lot of upset fans. 
You know, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a Tennessee fan last week, and he was telling me, you know, Harrison Bailey's starting to take more snaps at practice this week. He said, you know, there's a good chance maybe he could start. And I said, just don't do that thing where you start Garantano, he stinks, and then you put in Bailey late in the game where you're already down double digits and it's too late. And that's basically what happened uh, this past week. How close in your mind was it to Bailey earning a start this past weekend? I don't think it was too close. I think Tennessee planned with Jarrett coming back from the head injury suffered against Arkansas two weeks earlier for him to be back in a starting position. This week, I do wonder, as Jeremy Pruitt's opening week press conference didn't indicate that there's a change coming, but another game with another big costly mistake in Tennessee's offense, to me, has to have them thinking about a change. But this past week, I think Tennessee was all the way in on starting Jarrett, and they stuck with him until they believed that it was over, because even after the pick six, Tennessee continued to play Jerry Garantano. And they had a number of issues on both sides of the ball, but they should have scored more points. And Jeremy Pruitt, after the game, when he was asked about Jim Chaney as the offensive coordinator, said, well, we outgained them uh, in yardage. And that's true. That's great. But you don't get any points for yards. You only get points for crossing the goal line or uh, getting the ball through the uprights. And they struggled with both of those things on Saturday, and that led to another disappointing performance. And another thing is that during this losing streak, there have been stretches where Tennessee has just been dominated. They've had, in, in all five losses, a stretch where the opposing team has put up three consecutive scores without Tennessee scoring. And that happened again this past Saturday against Auburn, where it was 10 to nothing Tennessee, and then it was 27 to 10 Auburn. So things get away from Tennessee quickly uh, in all of these games. In your mind, who is to blame? Because I had a buddy text me, said, man, why don't we just keep running the ball? We're, we're dominant running the ball. It's almost like, well, no, we have to throw because that's what we do. Is it the play calling? Is it Jim Chaney? Is it, is it on Pruitt? Is it on Garantano? I mean, who is most to blame for the failure of the offense? Well, I think it has to start with Jeremy Pruitt. The offensive side is led by Jim Chaney, who has paid a lot of money to be the offensive coordinator. And we can go to that pick six that Jared Garantano threw. That would be the obvious spot where you'd be asking, why don't you just stick with the run? And on that play, it's an RPO. There's a run-pass option. And Jared has the option to hand the ball off, but he also has the option to throw. And that's why I would come back and say, well, take that option away. Say, we're running it here. We're going to go right it off. So uh, while Jared's making a choice there, He's given that choice by the coaches. So, uh, to me, they've, just, they've done a terrible job overall, and there are a number of reasons why Tennessee is in this position, and the players do have to go out there and make plays, but they're prepared by the coaches, and the coaches have just not done a good enough job of preparing the Tennessee football team. There's not one area on the team. There's not one position group. There's not one statistical category that you can point to and say, Tennessee is elite here, and Tennessee's offensive line was supposed to be that. At times, they played really well. They did on Saturday night but they haven't played well enough often enough. Let's say the worst-case scenario happens and they lose out because we know playing Florida and playing A&M are, are very losable games. If they lose these next three, and let's say they lose them all by double digits, including Vandy, would that be enough for the administration to take a good hard look at Jeremy Pruitt and said this may be it? Maybe so. Right now there's no talk of that, and everybody behind the scenes says, would cost too much. Jeremy Pruitt just got an extension. The cost of firing him and the coaching staff, you're talking about approaching $20 million. It's a little short of that. That's a ton of money for an for a, a athletic department that doesn't have a lot of cash and is losing money this year because of the pandemic. And uh, it's just it's a bad time financially to try to make that kind of move. On the flip side, you can come back and say, well, 
How much are you going to cost yourself by keeping Jeremy Pruitt if what you just laid out happens? Because there's going to be no support from the program uh, for the program, and nobody's going to be supporting Jeremy Pruitt. And I'm, I'm not being completely literal when I say nobody, but in terms of backing Jeremy Pruitt and people being in his corner, good luck finding somebody. And that's going to be a concern for season ticket sales next year and overall um, just backing of the program. And then what if you continue to lose? Well, it's only going to get worse. So that will be what's said. If Tennessee loses to Vanderbilt this upcoming weekend and you know what's coming after that, yeah, I I can't sit here and say with 100% confidence that Tennessee would keep Jeremy for 2021. I mean, if there is one positive, because, you know, when you talk about the state of the program and where it's at, it feels like it's all downhill, but – he has still been picking up some commits, and you know, as it stands now, right there at number ten or number eleven, depending on what recruiting service you're looking at, uh, you know, a top eleven class going into next year should bode very well for him. Is it as simple as they just need to find that right quarterback, and maybe things could settle down moving forward? That would help, but they need more development across the roster. Part of the problem to me is the lack of development within the program, and when Jeremy Pruitt took over. One thing that I think just about everybody said is this guy knows how to develop talent. Well, he has a staff that he has to put together that helps with that, and we just haven't seen it. It's not there. And that doesn't mean it can't still happen, but some of the young, talented players in this football team that were expected to to step up and take on bigger roles this season have just not played very well. And that has to change if Tennessee is going to be not only more competitive with the big teams in the SEC, but now teams like Arkansas and Kentucky, and that's a big part of the frustration. Getting blown out by Georgia and Alabama again, while that's disappointing to the fans, that's not what drives them crazy. It's the performances against lesser teams within the conference, and now Tennessee has regressed from the conversation that fans were having a year ago. So recruiting is going well. Tennessee's doing a nice job, and of course they're going to hold on to those players for the next several weeks before the signing, early signing period begins. A loss to Vanderbilt would potentially be very costly on the recruiting trail because all those recruits are going to hear about it from opposing coaches. But they have to do a better job of developing these players because a lot of the guys that Jeremy Pruitt has signed have not, to this point, lived up to what the coaching staff and fans expected of them. How bad has it been on social media these last uh, couple of days, what you've been reading? I've been good. And uh, fans are, are very frustrated with the quarterback situation. It didn't get that much play, but some fans noticed Saturday before the game, this was bizarre to me, that 30 minutes before kickoff, Tennessee put out a hype video. It was about 20 seconds, and the hype video began with Harrison Bailey, and it ended with Harrison Bailey walking out onto the field. And I think a number of fans thought, hey, Harrison Bailey's about to start for us, and they got all excited, and then Jared Garantano started. I thought that was really weird because it was pretty well known that Jared was most likely going to be the starter, but Jeremy Pruitt wouldn't name him the starter last week. And then Tennessee puts this video out that gets some fans' hopes up on social media, and then it's the fifth-year senior that goes back out there again, not the freshman that everybody wanted to see. So um, they, they need to win. They've got to get a win. They've got to play better. <laughs> he is Josh Ward, host of uh, Locked on Vols. Uh, last thing for you, Josh, uh, I saw the news yesterday that the Tennessee men's basketball program po- pausing all uh, activities after some positive tests. Rick Barnes comes out and, and you know we find out that he tested positive. So sounds like the the Tennessee basketball season going to be pushed back, including the women's team as well. Um, how far will they push things back? Yeah, this is all fluid. So we're monitoring this right now, and that's going to be a big topic this week on Locked On Balls. Is what do they do with Rick Barnes being among those who have tested positive and they're retesting? That's something to pay attention to, but 
Wednesday is the first game scheduled, and then Friday those teams need to know what's going on with Tennessee hosting. And um, I, there, there are no definitive answers right now from Tennessee basketball, which adds to the frustration. And, and by the way, this is a week that fans have been pointing to of, well, at least basketball is right around the corner because <laughs> this is a preseason top 10 to top 15 team, and fans are very excited to see them play. And now they're asking, well, when exactly do we get to see them play and how many games are we going to get to see? That uh, does not help the mood on Rocky Top. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. It's always bad when uh, you still got t- football games to play and you start going, hey, we're a basketball school now. We're a basketball school. So hopefully things will turn around for uh, the the Vault Nation. Josh, thanks so much for the time, man. Appreciate it as always. You got it. Thank you. It's Josh Ward of uh, Locked on Vols and does a great job talking all things Tennessee Volunteers over on our sister uh, network of Locked On Vols. Of course, here at Locked On SEC, we talk all things SEC football. When we return, we're going to talk about the Players of the Week in the SEC. Some big names getting some great honors this week. We'll tell you who next. Quick minute here for our friends at Built Go. We tell you all the time, this time of year, we are just trying to get through the work week, just trying to get through the holidays. Of course, shortened work week this week. If you're struggling any of these afternoons, just trying to get through the workday, might I recommend our friends at Built Go. They make you the best you at whatever you do. Help break you through that proverbial wall if you're slacking. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like five-hour energy without that same crash feeling that you get. Plus, this is all natural, so it's better for your body. It doesn't have all those chemicals you get in a lot of those energy drinks. We describe it. It's kind of like drinking a monster energy drink, but a third of the caffeine, much better results. And we get three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate, mint. Chocolate mint's my personal favorite. It's got protein. It's loaded with all that good stuff, all those B vitamins that you can never really know what they mean. B6, B, B12, just trust me. It's all good for you. Go check them out right now, builtgo.com, B-U-I-L-T-G-O.com, and use the promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. You'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at builtgo.com. Let's go. Roll along here, Locked On SEC. Thanksgiving holiday coming up uh, later this week. We will still be dropping podcasts, so if you're going to be traveling, driving, flying, whatever you're doing to go see family members, of course, you want to do it safely, wear your mask and do all that kind of stuff. But uh, if you are doing so, take us with you. Locked On SEC, subscribe to us. We'll download right onto your phone, iTunes, Spotify, whatever podcast service you use all right we want to get to some of the sec players of the week this week before we get out of here first up on offense two players getting the honors and deservedly so Devonte smith wide receiver alabama the senior etched his name atop the sec record books for career touchdown receptions scored two touchdowns to give him a league high 10 on the season 33 for his career he passes former alabama receiver amari cooper and, of course, Florida legend Chris Doring, now on the SEC Network. Devontae Smith finished with nine catches, 144 yards against Kentucky. It was his fourth 100-yard receiving game in his last five outings. Alabama had a passer rating of 197 on his 13 targets, averaged 16 yards a catch with touchdowns of 10 yards and 18 yards, and registered five explosive plays of 18 yards or more. Eight of his nine receptions converted for Alabama first downs. He ranks second nationally in receiving touchdowns, fifth in yards per game, and third in receptions per game. Devontae Smith is a monster. 
your other Offensive Player of the Week in the SEC. Quarterback JT Daniels at Georgia made his Bulldog debut, shredded Mississippi State through the air for over 400 yards passing, four touchdowns, both of those career highs. He never did that at USC and led the Bulldogs to a 31-24 win over Mississippi State. Daniels was 10 for 11 for 144 yards, three touchdowns, and only one sack on his third downs. And he posted the top efficiency rating of his career at 197. He became the first Bulldog since Aaron Murray in 2013 to throw for more than 400 yards in a game. JT Daniels, the man, looking like the man, moving forward at the quarterback spot for Georgia. Your SEC Defensive Player of the Week, Smoke Monday, DB for Auburn, had the 100-yard interception return with 221 left in the third quarter, giving Auburn a 20-10 lead and route to a 30-17 victory over Tennessee. It was the game-changing play. If the Vols go in there and score, could be a much different game. It was a game-changer for Smoke Monday. He also registered four tackles, a pass breakup, and a quarterback hurry. The 100-yard interception return for a score was the third in Auburn school history, and that was the third interception of Smoke's career. Special Teams Player of the Week, Grant McInnes, the punter at Missouri, punted seven times in their game against South Carolina for over 300 yards. He averaged 43 and a half yards per kick with a long of 51, pitting South Carolina inside their own 25 times, twice at the one-yard line, including South Carolina's final drive as it was attempting to try to go tie the game with two and a half minutes left. So really good night from Grant McInnes, punter at Mizzou. Your SEC Freshman of the Week, I feel like we're going to be talking about this kid a lot moving forward. Jermaine Burton, wide receiver at Georgia. Career day for him. All hold in eight catches for 197 yards, two touchdowns. Of course, all career highs for him. Catching those from JT Daniels. Jermaine Burton had catches of 49, 48, and 46 yards and finished with the fourth best outing by a receiver in school history. It was the best since Tavares King went for a record 205 yards against Michigan State in the 2012 Outback Bowl. Jermaine Burton's first touchdown tied the game at 17 right before halftime, and his second gave Georgia a 24-17 edge in the third quarter. Other Offensive Player of the Week, Nick Brahms, offensive lineman at Auburn. He graded at 85% with a season-best nine extra effort plays, anchored and led that offensive line that lost two starters during the game, and he was part of an Auburn offense that gained 385 yards and had three sustained scoring drives of 12 plays or more in their win over Tennessee. Defensive lineman of the week, Andre Anthony, defensive end at LSU. He had four tackles, including two sacks in LSU's win over Arkansas. Helped hold the Razorbacks to 0 for 10 on third down opportunities and for seven Razorback punts. Andre Anthony's second quarter sack came on third down, a four-state punt, and another sack came in the fourth quarter. Two sacks total, 12 yards in losses. And also your other defensive lineman of the week, Kyrie Campbell, defensive end at Florida. Led Florida's defensive tackles with nine on Saturday in the Gators' 38-17 win at Vandy. He had a career high with his nine tackles. He helped lead a defense that is ranked number one in sacks per game and number two in tackles for loss per game in the Southeastern Conference. So congrats to Kyrie Campbell and congrats to all the SEC players of the week. Really, uh well-deserved and man showing the star power that is in this sec and uh, my goodness like we talk about all the freshmen who have been fantastic this year you just wonder if a lot of these guys uh you know the the upperclassmen come back on top of the season veterans 
man, SEC is going to be even more dangerous next year. You just wonder, you know, will be will there be enough room at all on all these rosters? Are you gonna have a lot of guys hitting the transfer portal because it's like, I'm a freshman, I just had a breakout, but some of these seniors and juniors are coming back. Maybe, maybe they won't have room for me. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting off season in the SEC. That is just about going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. My thanks to Josh Ward. Locked on Vols for joining us. If you get a chance to check out his podcast, just search Locked on Vols wherever you find your podcasts. And, of course, subscribe to our podcast, Locked on SEC. We're here for you five days a week. Take us with you later this week for Thanksgiving. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a great day.